0: Consent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Um, <clears throat> if you can't tell, I've uh, been a little bit under the weather and uh, been going through uh, some trials here. And I, you know, thank you guys for being here. And I, I know it's been a minute, it's uh, lots of stuff going on in the background. And maybe I'll take a second and fill you guys in. So, a lot of you guys know I've started some new ventures and I'm trying to. Uh, diversify the the cash flow into uh, my my house, my life, all that kind of stuff. Um, I started out uh, trying to get some stuff done with insurance, and I've just kind of found out it's just it's something I'm not passionate about in, in the least. Um, there is great opportunity there. Don't get me wrong; it's just one of those things where, uh, for me, I don't think it was the right fit. And uh, with that being said have spent, you know, uh, I spent some time trying to really understand it. Uh, I mean, uh, and, you know, for for me, you know, it's one of those things where you learn, uh, learn fast and fail fast. And when you can do those kind of things, you can make adjustments fast as well. So obviously, uh, for me, I think I'm going a different route. It's it's something I may do for some, um, you know, for some, side cash and all that kind of stuff here and there and you know if you guys are interested uh, obviously uh, I I'd, I'd be happy uh, to to give you guys whatever insurance you might need for life insurance but that's really not my passion in life um if you know if it if it works out where I obviously have you know people here that are in need of it then yeah great um but in terms of like an everyday practice it's I don't, I don't think it's one of those things for me uh secondly I have uh, just recently uh, come to the mind and started to stand up a uh, a Bitcoin maximalist uh, concierge and advisory uh, type of position. So, what I'm going to be doing, I think, on uh, on a large scale here sooner than later is providing that service. It's it, every time I turn around, uh, I'm getting asked, "Hey, you know, can you help me with Bitcoin? Can you help me understand it? Can you help me?" Uh, get a hot wallet going. Can you help me with a cold wallet? And, and and some people don't even get that far, right? It's like they don't know what they don't know. And uh, it's it's been a real privilege for me to sit down with family members uh, and friends and kind of you know walk them through this to hold their hand. And I trust me, I get it. I remember where I was a few years ago with Bitcoin. And excuse me while I I clear my throat. <clears> throat> it's gonna be a, kind of that kind of show. Um, but when, when I started, I remember having that, that feeling in my gut where there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being, becoming your own bank and getting your hard-earned wealth out of 401ks, getting your hard-earned wealth out of your bank accounts and doing it in a, in a manner that is safe that is you know, where you're not going to be taken advantage of, there's there's that feeling of despair during those transactions. And I think that's one of the things that if you're an entrepreneur, if you've got an entrepreneurial mind, if you love Bitcoin and you, you, you see what it's going to do for the future of humanity, it's a great space to be in. You're early, um, but you're not too early now. And I, I think the timing on you know, everything that's going on in the world is a great time. So um, if you want to know more about it, if you have people that you want to pass it along to that could benefit from this kind of thing, uh, especially if you're in the Atlanta local area, uh, I'm doing in-home and you know, literal personal concierge and, and, and advisory for people, uh, getting people started with the basic understandings and then coming back to do uh, cold wallet storage, so that people can really be comfortable with what they've done and the choices that they're making to secure their wealth for the future as the the banking system implodes. So uh, you can find that at Radical Pod. It is under the Bitcoin maximalist tad, and uh, be happy to help anybody out there with that. So, with that being said. There is a. There's so much that's been going on in the world. We've seen bank runs. We saw Silicon Silicon Valley Bank tank along with a few others. Uh, and in in that time, I, I've I've been absent from behind the microphone, and it, it's really it it's part of it's pained me. Uh, part part of it has you know like at the end of the day. I don't know if, if you guys realize this, but this is something I love doing. This this is something else that I am absolutely passionate about is just being behind this microphone and speaking to things that I have learned, uh, sometimes the hard way, uh, but a lot of times because I'm trying to get down to the bedrock of what's going to help humanity become better and communicate better towards each other. It's It's why I talk about... You know, Bitcoin as much as I do is because it's a it's a communications protocol that changes the narrative from a state narrative, in a bank narrative, in a uh, a corporate narrative that's you know all combined in their in that realm of force and coercion and tyranny, to a communications protocol that is based in consent and savings and freedom and. Th- if, if there's no other reason for me to get up on earth, you know, that is, that is it, you know, is the passion in my life revolves around making a better world for my children. And if, if, if that's, if this is what it is in, in terms of inspiring others to take some, um, to take some initiative, to take some action, to get into, uh, a a space where they're learning where they have you know higher you know brain plasticity and they're making new connections and they're throwing off years and years and years of indoctrination boy i i just this is this is my passion in life and i'd be silly that i i wouldn't try to put anything and everything that i can into this and then providing a service providing value to this community, uh, by helping them out. It's, it's silly, you know, and that's, I think probably the piece that I, you know, have, have never really addressed is I've just always done this out of the, you know, out of passion. And I think now it's time to put some value to people, some, some real value in, in terms of a proposition. Um, so I am going to ask you. You know, if you if you enjoy this show um, and you want to support it, it is real easy. You can do it through Cash App. My my cash tag is Shane Hazel. It's super easy. You can send over Bitcoin, uh, or you can send over that dirty fiat, and I'll just make it into Bitcoin. And everything that I am doing, guys, like I am, I try to live my life by what I preach, and so I am trying to live a Bitcoin only lifestyle. Um, sometimes that means. Converting between Bitcoin uh, or Lightning back into fiat, but it's it's not as hard as I think some people uh, think it is. It's not, and, and there's a lot of places out there now that have the technology to where if you can scan a QR code, you can pay uh, through the Lightning network. Super simple stuff. It's just it's automatic remittance. It's it's just another reason why I think this is going to take hold. But there's a billion other reasons right now. Why I think this is important, I think it's something that we ought to be talking about, as we've seen over the past month now uh, that we had, you know, the, the, one of the first big dominoes really fall, and the Silicon Valley Bank, which was a coordinated event by uh, the the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen, and, and the rest of these people. Is to attack the on and off ramps for quote unquote crypto, is what they'll call it, right? Is um, really what I think they're doing is they're Bitcoin is the signal, and when I say signal like this, it's pure. Like you're getting nothing but real transition, real transmission out of out of Bitcoin, where crypto is noise. I think crypto has always been a economic and psychological operation that has been pulled off by a lot of state players and the the the, the chumps who think you can get rich quick or would take advantage of people, you know, f- being flashy with lambos and fake tits and all that kind of stuff. The, this is not that's not what Bitcoin is, right? There's a, there's a giant departure. So if you're just tuning in, understand that Bitcoin and crypto are not synonymous. They are not the same thing. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, these banks that were, you know, they had runs on them where they were obviously insolvent, the, the state decided to nationalize those banks. And when they decided to nationalize those banks, basically take over anything and make them solvent um they were like oh yeah you know this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be a taxpayer bailout well of course it is right like it's, it's as soon as they say it's not going to be a taxpayer bailout what are they gonna have to do to do this they're gonna have to print more money they're always printing more money now um in this case you know 300 billion dollars in a week to make this bank whole so when when they print $300 billion in a week, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Taxpayers aren't gonna pay that. You know, yeah, okay, a direct tax? Well, a direct tax in terms of like, hey, we're passing a bill, this is gonna be the tax. No, did they do that? No, <clears throat> excuse me. They, they just came out and they said, you know what, we're gonna print, and what is printing? Printing is inflation. What is inflation? Inflation is a tax, because it makes your money worth less it takes the purchasing power out of the money that you have stored in in cash and it makes it worth less anything that you're in that's in fiat is worth less it's not a tax oh sure then they went on and there was this great exchange between a senator and Janet Yellen and he basically wanted to know hey listen you know I want to know if the local banks in Oklahoma are going to be backed up and she said, well, we haven't determined that. We, we as a board, and with my input, they'll decide. Which means, like in the last show that I think I did, the banks were laughing, You, you where the FDIC board was sitting around joking about the public perception versus the banking understanding perception of what the FDIC is and what the FCI, F, FDIC does in terms of guaranteeing the money that's in the banks like they were talking about the unintended consequences of this type of information getting out this is this is where the banking system is a a bureaucrat and i have to say even a bureaucrat a banker janet yellen sitting in front of a senator knowing exactly what she's done they've incentivized the consolidation the centralization of banking through their policy if they are going to pick and choose who they will and will not bail out and if they it sounds like they're only going to bail out large banks that means that your your fdic insurance at the smaller banks is not guaranteed that means people are going to move their money corporations especially lots of money are going to move to bigger banks and she had no answer for him when she, when he asked, basically, you know, was your policy in effect to push people towards bigger banks to centralize everybody's, you know, holdings? And of course, in the back of you know Janet Yellen's mind, she's obviously thinking, well, yeah, this is what we're going to do. This is this is what we've been telling you. The plan is forever. They're going to centralize banks, and I've I've said it for a long time now. I, I think that at the end of the day not only are they going to this Fed Now program that I think launches in, in June and July, but they're, they're going to get to the point where when this thing implodes, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but when this thing implodes and they go to what they're gonna to try to do is a, a one world central bank digital currency, they're going to blame the Federal Reserve and, and I think you're starting to see this already. I think you're starting to see, you know, we talk about decoupling between Bitcoin and the markets and, and Bitcoin and foreign exchanges, uh, Bitcoin and other cryptos, you, you name it. Like we, we talk about Bitcoin breaking out and, and, and breaking away from um, the, these other things. Well, I think this is also what is happening. There's a breaking going on between some of the government officials and the banks or the central bank to be questioned and grilled like that and to be show like to show the american people exactly what these people are doing and what they're planning that's a schism that is that is a new break between these people who have been on the dole and in line with every major gigantic tyrannical policy and possibly a bank meltdown which I think it's, it's coming. It, th- this is, I think this is coming extremely fast now. We're getting closer and closer and closer. Honestly, I think you know, some of our due dates around here in terms of this thing being birth, I think June 5th was the, the date that Janet Yellen said something about, you know we've taken extraordinary measures in terms of the debt ceiling to make sure that we haven't defaulted. Basically, daring the Republicans in Congress not to come to the table and say, yeah, you know what, we're going to raise the debt ceiling, and at the same time, we're going to take out more debt and print more money. If they don't, then they default on the debt. And that's something that none of those people, none of them, not Democrats, not Republicans, none of them, they don't want to be the people who are in power when this thing goes tits up. I mean, it's 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 down to that. But the thing is they don't have the courage or the backbone to present a real change, a, a real departure from Keynesian Federal Reserve, you know, quantitative easing, quantitative tightening, fiat, fractional reserve banking. They don't have they don't have that in them. They don't have the backbone to stand up to these people. Maybe a good thing. I mean, you, you, maybe you guys saw it. Maybe you didn't. That the the founder of uh, Cash App was stabbed to death in in San Francisco a day ago. Like, I don't think that's on purpose. I don't, I don't. I don't think that's by accident. There are a lot of other people who were who've been in Bitcoin lately. Apparently, that have died for extremely, you know weird reasons it's not a conspiracy it's one of those things where when you when you screw with the banks a lot of times the banks will 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 screw back with you and their method is 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 total and final but with all that being said like <clears throat> we're seeing the centralization we we know that it's happening we know that there is nothing going on credit suisse Came out, you know, weekends ago, and basically said, "No, you know, we're just going to start making banks whole. We're going to start basically printing money uh, as much as we need to make everything right and to make everything whole." That is, th- that is the sign that the banks are absolutely insolvent. It means that they don't have the cash on hand. Um, <clears throat> if they had, you know, two trillion in liabilities and two trillion or 2.2 trillion in in assets, meaning cash. this is that close 200 billion dollars away from meltdown. So what do they have to do? They have to print money damn near every day to make these banks whole. That is going to lead to hyper, inflation fast, very, very, very fast. And they know it and you can see that they know it because what are they doing? These, these plutocrats, you know, the rule by the wealthy. And that's, that's really what it is in America. Now it's rule by the wealthy. These megalomaniac psychopaths are going out of their way to just threaten everybody. With U.S. military power. It's crazy. I mean, and, and it's shameful. They NATO is now pushing. Finland just became part of NATO. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, and at the same time, now they're pushing for Ukraine, who's in a hot war with Russia, to become part of NATO. That might as well signal World War III. We're going to have World War III if NATO tries to adopt Ukraine and then starts committing forces on Ukraine's behalf. World War III. I don't think it's going to be popular. I think it's going to be extremely unpopular. One of the other things that I've noticed with you know like they have talked about war with China, which I, I I got to tell you guys like I've been in those meetings. I've been in the projection of force meetings and the idea that you're ever going to make the Pacific non permissible like that. That's really it. Like you're not going to war with China. There's no way you're going to have a land war in China with China. The only thing that the U S can even think of right now is making some of the areas in this, in the South Pacific non permissible. And that takes tremendous Tremendous naval power. It's not going to last. Especially if they're broke. This is threatening China. Threatening Russia. Using NATO to escalate. And then not long ago. We started to see. Americans in power. The State Department. The Department of Defense. Start to threaten Mexico our neighbor it, I, this was just the biggest sign in the world to me to see to see America start to talk about threatening Mexico with invasion oh my god I think it was like Mike Pompeo and the rest of these goons out there that that, that are threatened right now that are, that are going to lose their ass. The, the MIC that is going to lose their ass when this whole thing comes apart. What do they need? They need as much money as possible. They need to be producing all the weapons and tanks and munitions and everything else. Or else they're going to lose their ass. And they're going to lose their ass no matter what. So what do they want to do? In a blaze of glory, go down and fight our neighbors in Mexico, God Almighty, I don't, I know there's a lot of animosity in America towards Mexico, Mexicans, and people who come through Mexico in Central and South America to get to America. I think a lot of it's misplaced, you know, and and, and that's that's something that maybe I should, I, I need to touch on because. If you know people, if you've traveled, if you've been to Central, South America, Mexico, you name it, you know that most, the overwhelming number of people that are there are just amazing, good, down-home people. Most of them have a lot better family lives than we do. And I, and I mean that. Their nuclear family in Central and South America is still one of their greatest assets. It's true. And I'm not saying that it, it makes for a wonderful population, you know, in terms of the way their, their economies are run. Or, but let's face it, America right now, we're lucky we've got some padding. We're lucky that we have some wealth. We're lucky that we were the reserve currency of the world. Because when things get nasty, and they're going to get nasty, that's going to change. And the mask is gonna come off. And I'm gonna tell you right now, like we don't look like the good guys in the world. When When you look at what's going on right now with BRICS, and I'll get back to Mexico here in a second, but when you look at what's going on with BRICS, I mean, you had on stage the other day, you had Brazil, you had Russia, you had China, you had India, you had South Africa, Not to mention that they're bringing in Saudi Arabia. China has brokered a deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Shiite and Sunni Muslims. Their governments, they're brokering peace. The amount of people that will be in a BRICS economy between India and China alone. It's not something that America can ignore. It's definitely not something that the American banking system can ignore. They can't. This is going to change everything. I mean, you're talking about—I don't know—replacing the, the 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 G7 population. The G7 population, by the way, is about 770 million. You know what the BRICS population is on Earth? Three. Point two billion people. I mean, this is changing so fast right now. It's 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 incredible to me. There, BRICS is going to be hosting a summit uh, in South Africa. Uh, I believe it's August of 2023. These countries have overtaken the G7 and the share of the world population and GDP. That is disastrous for the dollar. Back to Mexico for a second. Mexico being our neighbor and having to put up with a lot of what American foreign diplomacy and policy is, the war on drugs, oh my God. It has been a complete disaster. It has helped create a narco state in Mexico, which has faced its own problems. But the thing is, is Mexico isn't a poor country. It's not poor in natural resources. In fact, one of the reasons I think this is all happening is because Mexico cut off, you know, the rest of the world in terms of coming in and taking their oil. They've, they've also opened up lithium mines and they're, they're making sure that it, that money, that that industry, that economy that is built on what runs vehicles around the world, whether it's lithium batteries or petrol, they're making sure that it stays in Mexico. And threatening that nation as Americans, as the DOD, I shouldn't say Americans, as as the DOD as the State Department, as the CIA, the NSA, and the rest of the alphabet soup that has been in neck deep in foreign affairs in those countries doing God knows what kind of horrible stuff. Like That's a real problem for the people of America. It's a real problem for the people of Mexico. It is a, divis- a division that doesn't need to be there. But I'm going to tell you right now, like Mexicans, they are not taking this, um, laying down. Listen to, th- to this and I'll do some translation for you.
1: Hundreds of thousands joined a rally in Mexico city with president Lopez Obrador to mark 85 years since the expropriation of Mexico's oil
2: resources from foreign corporations.
0: Mexico, es un país Mexico is an independent and free country.
2: Libre. no,
0: not a colony or a protectorate of the United
2: States de
0: Unidos, y que podrán and they can threaten us con with any outrage pero jamás, but we jamás will never ever allow
1: them que to
0: violate our sovereignty
1: and pisoteen la
0: trample dignidad on the de nuestra patria. Homeland. Cooperation. Sí. Si. Yes. Submission. No. No. Interventionismo. No. No. Viva la Long the oil expropriation. Viva los trabajadores Long live the y workers and the technicians de of the past de ahora, and the present of nations, the national oil industry. Viva Mexico! Viva Mexico! Viva Long live Mexico! Mexico! Long live Mexico! Viva Mexico! <laughs> Long live Mexico! Hundreds of thousands. Like I said, they aren't taking this down. I mean, this is literally hundreds of thousands of people who are responding to the U.S. threats, it's crazy, threatening to to, to threaten Mexico. For God's sakes, it is the silliest thing. We should be best damn friends with Mexico. I mean, just as good as friends as we are with Canada. For God's sakes, it's it, it is the silliest thing to me that there is this hatred for anybody that is just you know like a, a normal human being outside of governments. I I don't get it. There trying to, to make a better life, trying to find a better way, taking you know the risk that they they do and trust me, I get it. But here's who's at fault. The United States government is at fault. They have they have turned to the easy way. They, they, the people that are in office, they continue to kick the can down the road so that hopefully one day, when they've earned their millions or billions, depending on who they are, and have retired safely, that this thing can fall apart later and they'll be insulated because they've got so much damn money. This is the problem. I was talking about this with uh, Michelle Tafoya the other day on her show. It was a fun show, and I absolutely... There's links everywhere for it. You guys can go check it out. Um, But in terms of... You know what's going on between us and Mexico, and 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 the a lot of the hatred that's out there for people that migrate from Mexico or through Mexico to the United States. It's it, this is the problem with government owning land. This is the government's you know claim on land. It's the tragedy of the commons when when there is a central authority that has charge over land. No one's responsible for it. Nobody. There's never anybody that ever pays the piper when it comes to this. You know who pays? You do. The American people. You pay through an influx of population that uses anything and everything that is paid for by taxes. It sucks. It's one of those things that they don't care to talk about. They don't care to admit they don't care to, to do anything about it except pay lip service to it, to attack each other over the southern border. Who's doing this? Who's doing that at the same time? What do they do? They try to use those people that come in to vote for them. Republicans and Democrats both do it. They want the Mexican vote. That's, that's the way they've done it. That's the way they are doing it. That's the way they will do it until something changes. This is why private property is so important. And get off on a rant on that, but private property at the end of the day, if you can build a contract with other landowners for security, then you actually have somebody to pin the rose on at the end of the day to say, Hey, listen, we're, we're either happy with this or we're not happy with this. If we're not happy with it, we're going to find somebody else for security. We're going to make sure that the people that we want on our property who are either, you know, invited here or are trespassing or dealt with appropriately. And that's not what the United States can do. They're not going to do this. They don't want to do this. They want to use those people for power, period. And they don't give a damn about letting you pay for it. Nothing. If this wasn't enough, what we've seen around the world in terms of things changing fast is the protest in France. I know France loves to protest. Like I really get it. But when you've got their president who goes on national TV, who's wearing an $80,000 watch, who's talking about how the French people are now going to have to suck it up and eat the change in the handouts, right? Because obviously France subsidizes a lot of things. And pensions are one of them. So if now they're changing the deal on pensions, that's a default, and a lot of people in France are pissed about what's going on. Super pissed. <clears throat> Macron, when he was on that TV and he's wearing that eighty thousand dollar watch, what did he do? Yeah, you if know, if you haven't seen it, it's great. He's you know he's speaking, and. His $80,000 watch, as he's gesturing, keeps hitting the table, like making this banging sound, and then under the table, like a chump, he takes off his $80,000 watch to tell people how they're going to have to suck it up, and they're going to have to take this one on the chin for the good of the people in France. The people in France are pissed. They are not just going to sit around and, and do nothing. They have broken into BlackRock, the head office in Paris and started to burn it to the damn ground. This is coming in America, and it will be far worse. But listen to the French. There's fire, there's flags, there are people singing together and chanting at Black Rock. this is this is beautiful i i love to see people finally getting together finally standing up be, being fairly peaceful about it right like i mean I, I, and there's this, this protest that we had here in america in 2020 what 2020 in 2022 i don't know 2021 anyway mostly peaceful no like they were burning mom and pop places to the ground this is BlackRock. I mean, directed headquarters like they are going after these people. BlackRock, State Street and the rest of these, you know, goons out there that are obviously the front for the Federal Reserve that have really really screwed the pooch here and are going to wipe out billions of people's savings. Trillions of dollars, but billions in terms of the people that it represents. When this hits America, ladies and gents, and it's going to hit, like this is this is what I've been thinking about day and night and night and day. We are not headed for recession or depression. And I heard Glenn Beck say this finally the other day. Finally, somebody in mainstream, finally somebody saying, This is the collapse of the dollar. It is. This is not something that we've done before. I don't think most people are anywhere near prepared enough for something like this. Michelle Tafoya asked me, like, what do we do? And I'm going to tell you, you know, I told her a a few things. Get out of dense populations. If you're in a city, get out of the city. This is going to, I mean, literally, June is your time frame from now till June you got to make some real real life changes. If you don't have chickens yet, probably get some chickens. Start learning how to care for them because here's the thing is baby chicks right now and about 7 or 8 months from now they're going to start laying eggs. Pretty good timing. When you go to Tractor Supply or any place like that, you can order them online. I think you know, there's there's different places and different amounts that you have to order as a minimum, but I'm telling you you and your neighbors and your neighborhood should start looking at making sure that you have chickens. If you've got a little garden, grow, 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 grow. If you have something that you guys can work on as a neighborhood, if that's the kind of place you live in, they'll work on something as a neighborhood. Silver, lead, both go without saying. There are some times when you just might need some sort of hard asset to, tr- to trade. I'm not real into gold. I think gold gets a lot of people killed at the end of the day. I really do. If you got money left over, Bitcoin. Most of the problems that we're seeing are because of fiat money. It's true. When we look at the world and we understand that there is absolutely nothing backing up the dollar when we see bricks coming together and starting to look at a currency probably based on hard assets, petroleum, gold, commodities, a commodities-based currency, that is a response to a fiat currency. Bitcoin is a commodity. It is not a security. If you don't know the difference between those two, may I suggest that? Go and read. And, and Safladine Amos' uh, new book is out, by the way. You um, <clears throat> might want to check that out. He, uh, he it, It's basic economics. And economics should not scare you. You should be absolutely infatuated with learning economics. Because a, people that understand economics are not going to allow what's happening now to us to happen again in their lifetimes. Hopefully set a precedent for the future. But... With Bitcoin, we're seeing, obviously, the United States government do the same thing that they do with a lot of other things that are powerful in our hands. Banks don't want you to have Bitcoin. A lot of the corporations don't want you to have Bitcoin that got bailed out. And the politicians, the power brokers, the, 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 the elite political faces out there, they don't want you to have it. And they make the same stupid damn arguments for Bitcoin that they make for things like guns. You can't fight the government with your guns. You'll lose. Turn in your weapons of war. It can't be both. They're doing the same thing for Bitcoin. They are saying that it is useless. That it is just error. That that there's nothing backing it. And at the same time, they want to regulate it. Why on earth would you want to regulate something that is absolutely worthless? Something that is just air. Something that you can't can't do anything with because it's, quote-unquote, not backed by anything. It's crazy. Today, I've got a, uh, a great read for you guys. Um, and you're going to see. He lays out the case perfectly. And I think... Going forward, what I want to try to do is, as I do a read during the week, um, I want to try to also have whoever I'm reading on, um, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this, see how it works. Um, like I said, you know, my my life right now is is kind of uh, being determined by a few factors that are a little bit out of, let's say, a little bit out of my control. I, more out of my control right now um, than than I would obviously like them. but at the same time um, I'm I'm gonna tell you guys right now like we are in for trying times and I hope if I can give you guys anything it's it's some knowledge first and foremost but it's also some mindset. with what's going on in life these days it is very very easy to focus on the future. Uh, It is easy to blame people for the past, but it is really something else to be able to be present, to be grounded now. If you can be grounded now, if you can into the present, if you can take stock of everything that's just fine in your life, the fact that you have opportunity before you, the the fact that that maybe you're well, maybe you got electricity in a house and cars and things like that are going to at least keep you somewhat comfortable and your family, comfortable and taken care of and fed. You're doing okay. You are. You may have to do more with less and that's okay. This is going, these times are going to breed stronger people. This audience is no exception. This host is no exception. I hope to do it with you guys. I hope to show you how I'm taking on this with me and my family, my passion in life. I hope you guys see it, I hope it inspires you to whatever it is is your passion. And I hope these readings will help you protect your wealth. I hope they will give you some understanding of what Bitcoin is and how it can change our culture, our entire world, so that we don't have to watch these out of control politicians, these out of control military industrial complexes, these out of control banks visit harm on our neighbors, on us, on people around the world. There's a better way, there's a more harmonious way for us all to live It's at our fingertips. It's on the horizon. Can we take it to the rest of the world? Enjoy the reading. Bitcoinnews.com Warren can't throw darts at Bitcoin because it's just code. Written by Gregory Gawson, Bitcoin News, April 6, 2023. An interview Elizabeth Warren did last year with NBC News is doing the rounds on social media as Bitcoin advocates mock her for saying art is more valuable than Bitcoin because, quote, I can't throw darts at it. Warren is back in the news as her war on Bitcoin continues. With new legislation in the pipeline that would put huge regulatory burdens on anyone involved with Bitcoin business, Warren is once again the target of discontent from the Bitcoin advocates. An interview she did with NBC News a year ago has resurfaced and is doing the rounds on social media as it highlights her apparent misunderstanding of what Bitcoin is and where its value comes from. Warren blasts Bitcoin as speculation. Speaking to NBC News in April of 2022, Democrat Senator Elizabeth Warren made the case that buying Bitcoin is no different to buying air. She made the case that it's purely speculative. People buy Bitcoin because they hope the price will go up so they can sell it later for a profit.
2: With Bitcoin, there's no thing that backs it up. And and that's what makes it different. It's just belief. You and I assess you assess the value is going to go down, I assess it's going to go up and therefore I buy.
1: So it's no so it's more like this artwork.
2: No. Because at the end of the day, I can hang that thing on my wall, right? and I can enjoy it, or can I can it. throw darts at it. Um, you could sell it for money. Sure you can. Really? I mean, there are features about it that are the same, but it's, it's not the same. And look, one of the things we have to remember about, there are a lot of things that come within this crypto world. So, for example, we could be talking about, instead of Bitcoin, we could be talking about digital currency. Now, that's something... Very different. I think that's
1: different, too. I buy that. I accept that. That's right,
2: because that's a Mm -hmm. um, government-backed electronic transfer, and it can be denominated in dollars. It could be denominated in euros. It could be denominated in some new language that's made up. But that has something that backs it up. It has a government that says, if at the end of the day, there's a run on this stuff, everybody wants theirs out... The United States government promises there will be something to back it up, Um, and uh, that's what banks are about. There'll be somebody there to back it up. But with Bitcoin, that's not the case.
0: In Senator Warren's mind, Bitcoin must have no actual value because it isn't backed by a government or physical commodity. She likens Bitcoin to the 2008 housing crisis, where a credit bubble led to a collapse in the world of financial system. As far as Warren is concerned, Bitcoin is a speculative bubble supported by confidence. Her opposition to the digital hard money is supposedly to protect consumers from the danger of that bubble bursting. Government is as good as gold. It's also clear from her statements that she believes a government promise to be as good a backing as a physical commodity. A government promise is a thing of value as far as she's concerned. So whilst the U.S. dollars aren't backed by any physical commodity, such as gold, they are still inherently valuable because the U.S. government backs them. What she actually means by backing is unclear. If everyone decides not to use U.S. dollars anymore, no amount of government promise is going to change the fact that those dollars won't be worth the paper they're printed on. She states that Bitcoin is only backed by the confidence of its buyers, but appears to believe that the power of the state is enough to provide value to the dollar. However, if confidence in the government itself fails, where then does the dollar stand? Clearly, the dollar is also only supported by confidence, except it's even worse for the dollar than for Bitcoin. With Bitcoin, the confidence is based on math. The verifiable issuance rate, the hash power turning energy into digital scarcity, and the network itself. Confidence in the dollar exists by proxy through the U.S. government. As the dollar's value decreases due to inflation, people will spend it as quickly as possible but won't want to save it. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is mostly hoarded rather than spent. This is Gresham's Law. bad money drives out good money because people want to spend money that has less long-term value and hoard money that has more there's laws works in reverse good money will drive out bad money because no one wants to accept the bad money anymore this happens when a currency becomes nearly worthless due to hyperinflation if this happens with the dollar people will simply stop using dollars in that eventuality, Bitcoin might replace the dollar since it has long term value that doesn't decrease due to inflation. Warren believes Bitcoin doesn't solve problems, proposes CBDCs instead. Warren acknowledges that commercial banks have failed customers over the years. Considering her position as a progressive senator in favor of more and more financial regulation, this isn't surprising.
1: Hey guys. A new article by Nuriel Rubini, Dr. Doom of 2008 fame, argues, quote, most U.S. banks are technically near insolvency and hundreds are already fully insolvent. Of course, thanks to fractional reserve, I prefer the term fictional reserve, all banks in the U.S., essentially all banks in the world, are technically bankrupt all the time. Their immediate liabilities exceed their immediate assets because they pretend imaginary dollars are sitting waiting for grandma when those dollars are actually out roaming the streets. By the way, I've got more on fractional reserve on the substack at the end of the video. So, back to Dr. Doom. Thing is, he's not even talking about fictional reserve. He's talking about actual insolvency. As in, even with the exorbitant privilege of fictional reserve, most banks, according to Rubini, are bankrupt. To see why, the banking system has about $2.2 trillion in equity. Equity is the difference between a bank's assets and what it owes, primarily deposits. Set against this buffer, the FDIC estimates that banks have at least $620 billion in unrealized losses. Now, a recent Stanford study thinks it's much worse, that banks have roughly $2 trillion in unrealized losses. That's against $2.2 trillion in equity. That means banks are right on the edge, waiting for a light drizzle to collapse. By the way, an unrealized loss means you lost the money, but you don't have to admit it yet, not unless you sell. Think of it like you drained the college fund and bought 1,000 shares of GameStop for 60 bucks. Now it's 20 bucks, so you lost 40,000. But your wife doesn't know. She doesn't know unless you sell it and return these shriveled proceeds to the college fund. The problem comes if people start pulling money out of those banks. At that point, the banks have to sell to cover the withdrawals. They have to tell the wife. Well, they have to tell the FDIC, about the GameStop lark. And that's exactly what's happening now. On top of over $120 billion flooding from small banks to large banks because of FDIC's mixed messages, Nick Bhatia has been tracking the outflows from the banking system as a whole. And the last month, about $300 billion came out of the banks. Where's all that money going? Some could be going to coffee cans and home safes, but overwhelmingly, it's going to money market funds, which are a non-bank way to park cash that currently pays over 4%. By the way, if you're familiar with a stable coin, money market funds are basically stable coins. Credit to Ovik Roy for that insight. Now, all those outflows shrink the money supply fast. They're deflationary. Because money markets can't fractional reserve and coffee cans definitely can't fractional reserve. I'll talk more about deflation and the subsequent inflation in the coming videos, I think it's going to be big. But for now, the big concern is what these $100 billion outflows are doing to banks, revealing that many of them did gamble the Christmas money on GameStop and revealing that hundreds of them, maybe more, won't be able to make rent. All right, we'll be watching. See you next time.
0: Her anti-Bitcoin stance makes her proposed solution even less surprising, central bank digital currencies. Warren states that the only problem Bitcoin can solve is the issue of sending money internationally in a fast, frictionless way. She proposes CBDCs as an alternative since they fulfill her gold standard almost literally of being government backed. To Warren, there are no benefits to a payment system that is decentralized, peer-to-peer, immutable, transparent, and with its own globally liquid currency. Remember, Warren believes that Bitcoin is a Ponzi scheme. It's only valuable because people keep buying it. If we ignore its use cases as a hedge against inflation in Venezuela, streamlining supply chain costs in Nigeria, or facilitating renewable energy build-out in Texas, Warren's argument is almost believable. CBDCs are certainly gaining traction worldwide at the bureaucratic level. 100 countries are currently at some stage of researching and developing them. However, they are not being widely adopted, with only a few examples across the globe. Opposition to a concept of a digital currency controlled completely by the central government is fierce, and private digital currencies, such as Bitcoin, are far ahead in terms of adoption and public acceptance. As Warren herself admits, People don't want the government to have such control over their money. CBDCs are a massive threat to personal autonomy and privacy. Warren, however, invokes the argument that if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. What's backing Bitcoin? Despite Senator Warren's assertion that buying Bitcoin is less useful than buying a painting, I can throw darts at. Bitcoin is backed by just that its usefulness pyramid schemes come and go they don't last 14 years and counting if all bitcoin had to back it up was belief from a few gullible people it would have collapsed by now as a store of value bitcoin rivals gold and wins as a remittance payments system it's more accessible than any other currency on the planet with superior network effects compared to proprietary remittance services it's freer than any other payments network existing outside the control of a corrupt or inefficient centralized authority by removing third parties bitcoin is cheaper and more efficient than traditional finance by maintaining pseudonymity bitcoin retains the privacy of physical cash whilst enjoying the fast and frictionless perks of digitized currency by being accessible to anyone with an internet connection Bitcoin provides financial services to those left out of the traditional centralized banking system. Bitcoin has value because it's useful. That's what backs Bitcoin. If it stops being useful, people will stop using it. People will stop buying it, and its price will crash to zero. Or near zero, to be precise, since hash cash inventor Adam Back still has a running buy order for 21 million Bitcoin at two cents I don't see that happening clearly Elizabeth Warren agrees if Bitcoin becomes nearly worthless and nobody uses it what reason could she have to want to regulate it of course if Bitcoin is very useful and therefore becomes very valuable then having control over it would put regulators in a very powerful position does Elizabeth Warren want to regulate something she thinks is useless, or does she want power over something she thinks people are going to start adopting as the dollar drops? Ladies and gents, I hope you loved the reading uh, by Gregory Gosson, an uh, outstanding article, and hope to uh, contact him and get him on the show here shortly to uh, discuss more of his ideas and uh, his findings in Bitcoin, because... I don't know. I love the space. I love the people that are in it. This is this family. This like this is something that is unifying people from left, right, center, like you you name it. Doesn't matter where people are coming from. Like on this, they can agree. And I think this is something that is pretty amazing in this day and age that people are yearning and congregating together to leave each other alone for freedom, for that little bit of love. That you have to show people just to leave them alone, I think it's amazing. You know what else is amazing? One of my passions that I love sharing with you guys. Um, obviously I'm I'm big into uh, rock and roll, and I like old good rock and roll. But there's obviously some there's some new guys out there uh, that are doing it in in a very similar way. That I you know every time I hear something that's by them, um, that's new, it uh, it it makes me smile i woke up this morning and i found out that uh greta van fleet had released a uh one of their songs from their new album but it hasn't the, the album uh Star has not been released yet so it's friday and i feel like being in a good mood and i feel like sharing this with you um this is greta van fleet's new song i'm gonna play it in its entirety and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you have a great weekend. It's good to be back behind the microphone. If you guys got anything for me, you can send it to Shane at RadicalPod.com. If you love the show, again, you can uh, support it through Cash App. Shane Hazel is the cash tag. And I uh, really appreciate all that. Like, share, do whatever you can to, to help me get the word out. And uh, if you're looking for some one-on-one help and an advisory or concierge, with uh, understanding Bitcoin in your personal life, Uh, you can also email me at shane at shanehazel.com and uh, check out the website, radicalpod.com. There is a couple new links up there for you guys. I hope until then, you guys are great. I love you. I need you. Peace.